Welcome to the Kairos Church Podcast. We believe Jesus loves you, has called us all into his family and kingdom, and is moving through his family to his glory. Kairos Church is located in Grandview, Missouri. You can find us online at kairos-kc.org or through social media at Kairos, Kansas City. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Okay. Bless the Lord. The Lord is good. So let's uh, turn in our Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter 1. And we're continuing to look through the book of Colossians and see how reconciliation works. The Lord began to speak to us about uh, how he has reconciled us. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it talks about that we're new creatures in Christ, that all things have passed away and all things have become new and all things are of God, who has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, reconciled us, and then given us the ability to help others be reconciled. We receive the forgiveness of the Lord. And we give that forgiveness to others and point them to Jesus so that they can also walk in the forgiveness. This is currently countercultural. But it is our job as the church, it's our position of honor and authority to walk counterculture. It's not always fun, but it is our position as the body of Christ. That's, that's why we're here on earth. Otherwise, we'd just get saved and poop, we'd be in heaven. We're here to be counterculture and to reflect who Jesus is. That's why Jesus went around saying things like, uh, you've heard it said, but I say to you, that's counterculture. That's redeeming the culture through the presence and power of Jesus. We reflect his heart. So you've heard it said, if you disagree, cut them off. You've heard it said, if you disagree, shut them down. You've heard it said, if you disagree, make sure they have no ability to speak. But I say to you, reconcile. Build bridges. Show love. Win by your heart. <laughs> It wasn't a person, it was a guitar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we are in the book of Colossians chapter 1. Let's begin reading in verse 21. You know what, let's jump back. Last week we covered uh, uh, before that, so I'll, let's reread that to kind of get the, um, the context of what Paul is saying here to the, the church in Colossae. Colossae. Uh, verse 16, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him, Jesus, and for him, Jesus. And he, Jesus, is above all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. We hit this a lot last week. For in him all the fullness of the Godhead was pleased to dwell, and through him 
for this purpose to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus made peace. He's a peacemaker. Remember when he was born, uh, the angels, one of the announcements was peace to all men. So we are peace bearers. We bring Jesus, who is the peacemaker, to mankind. Okay? Now I've, uh, sorry, and you, verse 21, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, needing peace, you weren't at peace with God, doing evil deeds, he hath now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. In order, that's the whole purpose of why he did it, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Satan can have no accusation against you. If indeed, verse 23, you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister." So there's a lot here, and we want to kind of dig around in it and find those nuggets of truth for us this morning, where we are right now here in Grandview, Missouri, and wherever you are watching us online, so that we can, in our oikoses, and what we call our ats, where the Lord has placed you with the little at symbol, wherever you are in your lives, because where you go throughout your week is different than where I go throughout my week. So we have uh, spheres of influence that the Lord has placed us in to shine as a light and to bring reconciliation. You might hear, well, it, something needs to be done. Well, I already tell you, Jesus already has a plan and it's you. Somebody needs to do something. Well, Jesus already has a plan, and it's you. And me, of course. I'm not leaving myself out here. It's you. And we're able to do it because we are the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, who is above all things and been placed there so that he can be preeminent and can rule and reign and place everything under his feet. We're already there. We're the answer. It's not a new uh, advertising campaign by Coca-Cola. Not a new political party that's going to rise up and change the world. We are the change, the church of Jesus Christ. We have been called, redeemed, and endowed with power to be able to bring change through love, through sacrifice, through obedience, through reconciliation. And as we walk that out, culture changes. And the goodness of God permeates culture. Sometimes it's slow. Sometimes it's quick. That's not ours to worry about. Ours is to be faithful, to love. I tell you, uh, like, say, take Corey Tim Boom, who went through, if you don't know who Corey Tim Boom was, uh, she was, I think, in Holland, if I'm not mistaken, Holland or Denmark. But they were believers and they were hiding Jews in their house and they had built a, a place in one bedroom upstairs. It was a false wall and they would hide Jews in there and her, her and her sister and her mom and her dad. And they did clocks. They owned a clock store there and uh, they got turned in and the uh, Gestapo came and arrested all of them. But the Jews were hiding and the Jews got saved that were that were being hidden there, but they all went to a concentration camp and everybody died but Corey. 
Her sister died. I, I think her mom was either gone or died there. I know her dad definitely died there in the concentration camp. And uh, she talked about forgiveness and being able to forgive the Nazi guards who tormented them, tortured them, mistreated them, abused them while they were in the concentration camp. The guard that led to the death of her sister. She talked about being able to forgive these people. And she had this beautiful message after the war and traveled. It's a sweet old lady. And she would travel and talk about the forgiveness of Jesus. And one day in a sermon, after she had finished, she went out and was met at the door and was greeting everybody. And the guard who had held her and who had led to the death of her sister walked up and said, would you forgive me? And she said, I struggled for a second, but then I realized if Jesus has forgiven me, I'm going to forgive. And she walked out the love of Jesus to this person. And that right there totally overwrites everything that the Nazis did. The love of Jesus is what we remember more than and better. It's what sits in our hearts and challenges us to be good more than the evil that we endured for a time period. So Jesus says here, Paul says here, talking about Jesus, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. You know, we all were there. If you haven't realized that, that then uh, maybe have an honest conversation with those who live with you and around you. Let them remind you how you were because you've forgotten. But you were alienated. That word alienated means to be estranged and cut off from fellowship. You did not have fellowship with the Father. That's what we possess now in Christ Jesus, the ability to go to the Father and be loved on and receive his love and be able to be healed by the Father to be able to be comforted by the Father, to be able to be held, like Azariah is being held, to be able to be held by the Father and loved on so that our hearts are healed. We have fellowship with the Father, like Adam and Eve had before the fall. We have that. We're not alienated, but we were alienated. Do you remember what life was like before you had the ability to go to Jesus? Before you had the ability to, to trust in the Father and know that, you know, there's a situation in my life, but I know God is good, and somehow he'll bring me through this and walk me through. Even the darkest days now as a believer, there's still the, the knowledge and the hope that God will walk me through this. I can trust in him in the midst of this pain. Before that, there was simply hopelessness. Uh, not knowing, blindness, trying to crawl around and figure out a way out, but not being able to find anything. Estranged, alienated, the word said. Ephesians chapter 2 uses this same word. <clears throat> Let me just read this real fast. If I can get to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Remember that you were all at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. All of us were like that. It's the same word there. 
And in uh, chapter 4, verse 18 is another occurrence of this word. They are darkened in their understanding, unalienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. So that's the state that we were in. That's the state that some people around us are in when we get by them. So can we get angry and frustrated and uh, abusive toward them because they are alienated just like we were? Yes, we do get angry, frustrated, but that is not the answer that they need. Neither was it was the answer for us, right? All right, yeah. <laughs> I love you. You are awesome. It says we were alienated and hostile. This word hostile, I love it. It's uh, well, I don't love it. I mean, but it's a it's a cool word. It's odious. Odious, that's a word you don't hear very often. Odious is like worse than, ugh, it's odious. It's an enemy. It's opposing God in the mind. It's hostile. We were there. When I did not have the revelation of Christ, I may have been somewhat religious, but I was an enemy of God. I did not have his love. I did not show his love. I was just religious, which means self-righteous, which means judgmental. Because I myself was judged. And so the easiest way to deal with that is you begin to judge others because you're better than them. You make yourself better than them even though your own heart is still broken and judged. My favorite, uh, one of the good occurrences of this word is in Romans chapter 5, verse 10. It says, uh, For if while we were enemies, that's the same word, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, how much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life? We were enemies, and we were reconciled by the death of Jesus. You're in the family now, so that same life that resurrected you now just brings you even more resurrection day to day. And then in also uh, Romans chapter 12, we see another occurrence of this in verse 20. To the contrary, if your enemy, that same word, hostile, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give, oh man, we need to erase this out of the word. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus uses this word when he says, you know, all know this verse. He says, you've heard it said, love your friends and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies. Do good to those who despitefully use you. That's an uncomfortable word, but we don't do that out of our own ability where we work it up, look ourselves in the mirror and say, you can't do this. You can. No, it happens by a changed heart where we surrender our heart to Jesus and we say, Jesus, you love just as you loved me when I was odious to you. 
You love them. Help me to have your love. Fill my heart with your love, Jesus, so that I don't see them as odious. I see them as lost sheep that you want to reconcile. And sometimes that's a daily thing, a weekly thing. Sometimes it's a a minute by minute. (laughs) Come on, Jesus, right? Jesus. (laughs) Take the wheel. (laughs) Yes, take the wheel, Jesus. Woo. You know, but it is possible. It's possible. It is possible. We were alienated. We were hostile in our minds. And because we were alienated and hostile, we did evil deeds. Sometimes we try to uh, correct the deeds and miss the fact that it comes from the heart. You know, we spend all our time trying to correct deeds. Well, this behavior needs to change. Well, if the heart changes, the deeds will follow because the deeds come out of the hostile and alienated heart. So there's people around you who just get underneath your skin by their deeds that are evil, and rightly so, but it's their heart that needs to change And if we cut them off, we have no ability to get to their heart. So when we're in a healthy place, we can begin to love and pray for and minister to and bless their hearts so that their hearts change. And then their behavior, which is getting underneath our skin, and rightly so, will change as well. That is the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation isn't gathering people you like and who you enjoy around you and having parties. That's called fellowship. (laughs) Jesus didn't say go into all the world and have fellowship. Fellowship is a good, important part. But he said go into all the world and preach the gospel. Reconcile. You've become not just ministers of fellowship, but ministers of reconciliation. So I'm not looking for action here, just to set that up front. Because sometimes when you preach a sermon like this, you're like, oh, dang, he's trying to get me to do this, or he's trying to get me to do that. No, I'm not. What I'm looking for is if my heart can change the way to the people around me, if my heart changes in the way I view them, One, it's going to set me free of the frustration because I'm going to have an answer to the frustration. No longer am I a victim to the situation of I've got all these uh, alienated, uh, odious enemies of God doing evil around me that I can't stand and don't know what to do with. Now I have actually, I am empowered to do something about it. I'm not a light hidden in a closet. I'm a bright, shining lighthouse. It sets you free to be who God wants you to be. Verse 22. So it says, you know, you were alienated, you were hostile, you were doing evil deeds, and he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, he's reconciled you, in order to present you as holy, blameless, and above reproach before him. 
we have been reconciled. Now this word reconciled here is a little bit different than the, the word reconcile. It's got a little added on to it. And uh, in, the, in the Greek, it's just kind of a fun word. It's, uh, it's a joint word, a compound of alo, which means origin, and katalasso, which means to reconcile. So this word only appears three times, twice in Colossians, and I think once in like Philippians or Ephesians. So alo katalasso. And what this word means is to reconcile back to the origin. I like that that a lot too. It's not just, hey, I love you, but it's, hey, I love you and I'm conforming you and making you into who I've created you to be. Oof! I'm not just loving you in your mess and leaving you in the pig pen and aren't you a cute little piggy in your mud, stuck in your hostility, in your odiousness, and your evil deeds, and I just love you in that. You're so cute, smelly and cute. No. It is, I love you, and I'm pulling you out of that, and I am forming you and making you and equipping you and releasing you and liberating you into who I've called you to be, the man or woman of God that I've called you to be. I'm doing it, and I'm enjoying it. That's why I died on the cross. I died on the cross for that. Not just so that I could look and go, oh, what a cute little piggy. Oh, what a cute little piggy. So cute, so smelly. Oh, what a cute little piggy, you know. He has reconciled us to present us, which means he, with great honor, you're like a work of art. You're like something he's proud of, something that he finds value in. He presents you. Don't you remember show and tell when you were in kindergarten? I don't know if they still do it or not. When you bring in and you go, this is my Troy truck. <laughs> and, it, and you tell all about it with such pride that you have this Tonka truck or whatever. Jesus is presenting us. And why is Jesus presenting us? Because he's basically putting us in front of Satan and going, hey, Satan, you think you destroyed everything. Uh-uh. Look what I am doing in my beautiful servant here. Look how beautiful this servant is. Because they love me, they allow me to build myself in them and reveal my character in the beauty of this creation that I've created here, in their giftings that I've given them. They're beautiful. I'm presenting them. Holy, holy being devoted to God. You're set aside and devoted to God. You're blameless without blemish or spot. You're unblameable. You were odious and alienated, and now you're unblameable. And more and more and more and more and more. Every day you walk with Jesus, you become more holy, more blameless, unblameable, and above reproach. That word above reproach means to be means you cannot be called to an account. That's pretty cool. You're above reproach. Jesus is dealing with your heart. And Satan, I know, I know he whispers in your ear and he goes, Yeah, but if Pastor Matt knew about mm, this is all good and everything, but what about What about above reproach? 
Well, Jesus' answer is he is the author and the finisher of your salvation. He's the beginning and the maturer. He is continuing to work on your life. And he says this basically to Satan, you know what? That's my work and I'm working on it and I don't care about your opinion. It's only my opinion that counts and this is what I'm doing and I will continue to do. I will continue to move them into greater holiness. I will continue to move them into greater blamelessness. I will continue to move them into a place where they are above all reproach. Because I love them. I don't cancel. Cancel, not counsel. Cancel. Mm -hmm. So how does he do this? Well, I think there's several ways that he does this. Uh, One way is just simple revelation. You're reading in the word, you're listening to a sermon, you're doing, and something just clicks. A light bulb goes on. You understand something about Jesus or about what he's, his work that he's completed in your life. And you just change. It just, something just drops off of you. How many have had that happen to them in their life? Mm-hmm. So that is, but not everything happens that way, right? Wouldn't it be nice if just every day, bloop, oh, there goes some other struggle that I have. Just dropped right off me, praise God. <laughs> Shedding problems like a Dog sheds hair. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't mean to bring up our dog. Mm. No, sometimes it happens with revelation. Sometimes it is. And that's a big part of it. That's why we spend time with Jesus, why we get in the Word, you know, because we want to learn more about Him. We want the Holy Spirit to open things up to us. He can't just open things up to us if we're never in His Word. I mean, that's, that's part of it. So I think another way is he gives us opportunity. And what do I mean by that? I mean, uh, sometimes we don't understand what's in our heart until we have uh, prosperity. We prosper in an area. And then when you prosper in an area, all of a sudden you realize you lack self-control. You don't know how to manage money if you've never had money. You don't know how to drive a car if you've always ridden a bicycle. You don't know how to live in a relationship with someone if you've never had to live in a relationship with someone. (laughs) You know? You learn through the blessings that you walk into in your life. You don't see how much you love animals until you get a pet. And then you have the opportunity to learn to love God's creation. It is very true. Every opportunity is a way God calls us to grow by he gives us blessing and we learn to walk in it. And it expands us, but then as we expand, we have greater opportunity to walk out his love and walk out Jesus in different spheres. So, Sometimes the lie of the enemy is to resist the blessing because I'm afraid of what I will, what will happen if I get blessed. And whatever that blessing is, maybe it's a better job, maybe it's a better car. I mean, you can take the blessing anywhere. You can go prosperity gospel if you want all the way up to God's going to give you a million dollars. You can go that route with what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just talking about any simple blessing. 
I don't buy new clothes because I don't want to ruin them. Well, isn't that wrong thinking? Learn to take care of your clothes. So God gives us opportunities at times so that we learn to walk in the blessings that he has for us so that we can be a blessing to others. Okay? I think the third way, which you'll love this one, third way is conflict. I think he uh, teaches us and, and conforms us into holiness and conformed us into blamelessness and to make us above reproach by bringing uh, areas of conflict in our life or maybe bringing is a bad word, allowing us to walk into <laughs> conflict. You know, because we have areas in our lives that aren't quite uh, holy, blameless, and above, above reproach. And those areas at times somebody near us upside the head or their areas of lack of unholiness blamelessness and above reproach slap us upside the head or maybe they just hit us right in the side however they react things bother us and we have conflict but as we work through the conflict in healthy ways we can choose to grow into greater holiness greater blamelessness greater above Above reproachness. We can choose to do that. I'm not saying we seek out conflict. God bless you. Let me know if you want some. I will point you in the direction of some. You can have some of mine. No. But we seek to follow the Lord and be reconciled more and more to him every day. Verse 23 goes on and it says, uh, let me go back to 22, uh, and now reconciled in the body, in, in his body of flesh by, by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard if is a pretty big word. So that makes there, there is a choice there. And you know, anybody here, if you get down to the reality of it, you do have a choice. I mean, you're mostly all adults here. I don't think we have any really young kids here. But you're all adults and you know that you, 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 when you have an attitude, you choose whether or not to remain in that bad attitude. You choose whether or not to surrender and forgive. You choose whether or not to uh, believe in faith about what Jesus will do in your life and what he's done in your, your walk. You choose to walk in these things. So there, there is a caveat there that we need to abide. We need to tarry. We need to persevere. Persisting. It means to like sit and wait and hold on to. So we all need to do that. Uh, you know, we walk through seasons and times, and, and sometimes we do it really well, and sometimes we don't. And uh, that's where the rest of us around here love each other and, and don't cancel each other, you know, but encourage one another and spur one another on as we move forward in our walks. Things happen in our lives. You know, with my... Uh, 
I don't think I've had a chance to share with you guys. Uh, you know, my mom passed away in, in March, and uh, I woke up about two weeks ago. I think we, as we were down in Alabama or heading down toward Alabama for the vacation, I kind of woke up and came out of the cloud. And I realized I have been under a intense cloud of mourning and uh, just the whole stress of, of mom's passing suddenly and then getting her estate taken care of and getting dad taken care of and dealing with six other siblings in the midst of it and just everything's in Illinois and I'm here, just a ton of stuff. And I kind of woke up and realized this thing had been, I've been walking in this, you know, and you don't even realize it when you're in the middle of it until you get out of it and you look back and go, wow. That's why we have grace and mercy for one another as we walk through we understand, but you choose to continue moving forward. If there's anything that I can encourage you to do, it's to encourage you to continue. You know, in our recent uh, staff meeting when we, we got away for our little retreat, we played some game. And in the game, one person was trying to guess what, what everybody else knew, and everybody else was pretending to be me. He was absolutely horrible. I don't know who it was. I think it was Heather <clears throat> who did the. And I'm like, I had to think, I do do that a lot, don't I? Wow. There were several things like that where I was like, wow, I am too much of an open book. But it is true that I want you to continue forward. Amen. <laughs> I want you to continue because your faith is what holds you. It's the rock. It's the, it's the anchor. And being stable and steadfast. Here it says, not, uh, let's see, above, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast. Those two words are being founded and then holding on to. Being founded, stable. You've got a good foundation, Jesus, and steadfast as you're grabbing a hold of and you're holding on to, whether it's hurricane winds or whether it's just peaceful lullaby music, you're holding on to that foundation. You're not shifting from hope. You're going to continue to move toward looking for God. Goodness, looking for Jesus no matter what happens. So what tends to shake us from continuing in the hope? I'm going to give you three things that, that tend to shake us that I see most believers get shaken out of their hope. And I don't mean like they lose their hope and they lose their salvation. I just mean they go through a season that, of, of deep shaking, and it's just hard for them, you know. I would say the expectations of others, expectations of yourself, and expectations of God, all three of which are not met. When others expect, your expectations of others are not met, it can shake you. Well, I don't understand why they acted like that. I don't know how you could believe, be a believer and be like that. I don't know how that person could do that. I don't know how that, I, that was said to me. I don't know how, why I was treated that way. I don't know, just, and you could give a bazillion excuses of why, but it's shaking your relationship with Jesus because of what you expect someone else to act like. 
Basically, you are giving your relationship, your eternal relationship with the Father, with Jesus, over to someone else's ability to move and shake and break down. You don't want to do that. That's where the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace comes in. Lord, I do not understand. It doesn't make sense to me, but I choose to forgive. I choose to put it under the blood. I choose to release them. And Lord, if I'm wrong, show me. If they're wrong, show them. That stabilizes you in Jesus. The second one was expectations of ourselves. That's when where you fall into condemnation because you're not living up to whoever you think you need to be. Well, if you truly love God, you wouldn't act like that. If they only knew. You know, all the arguments that hit you, you should be stronger than that. Well, if you prayed more, you know, you never share your faith. You know, just all the arguments of your expectations not being met by you. The only answer to that is humble with Jesus. Jesus, I know I'm not perfect. I failed you. I fail you all the time, but I, Lord, I don't rest in my failure. I rest in your mercy. I rest in your ability to mold and make me because you're faithful when I'm not faithful. I rest in you, Lord Jesus. I choose not to be a victim of my own humanity and my victim of my failure. Lord, I am a champion in your ability to walk me through this. The third one is our expectation of, of God. And this can be sometimes uh, some of the darkest valleys that I see people walk through is they have expectations of who God is or what God should be like or what God should do. And when those expectations aren't met, they like throw a hand. I, don't, I can't trust you because you're not being who I think you need to be or you're not doing what I think you need to do. Those are some of the hardest times to walk through. But once you get through them, they are like the best times in the world. Because you have broken away from you wrong understanding of the Father. And it brings you into a liberty of who he really is. So I encourage you in those times, keep yourself humble. Keep going to the Father and telling him, I'm mad at you. I don't understand. I want to understand. I want to see this the right way. I don't want to be lost in this. I don't want to turn away. Where can I turn to? Do you remember this happened to the disciples? This isn't just us that walk through this. Jesus did the thing and all the disciples left, most of them, when he said, this is my body. You know, you got to eat my body and drink my blood. And they were like, what the heck is he talking about? What? freakishness is, and Jesus says to them, hey guys, are you going to leave me too? And their reply was, where would we go? And that's a hard place, but a beautiful place to be of Jesus. I don't want to go back to that. Even if I don't understand you, I want to get to know you and I want to hold on till I do understand because I know this is far better than that was. So when things shake your faith, 
continue forward. Amen. Lastly, I just want to encourage you this morning. If you're struggling in an area, uh, I want to encourage you just to be reconciled with the Father this morning. If you have expectations that are not met, I encourage you to make that decision today to say, Jesus, I give these to you. Let me see them the way you see them, whether yourself or them or God. Let me see it the way you see it. Give me your eyes. Give me your eyes so that I have the proper expectations. If you've failed, say, Jesus, I failed again, but I receive your mercy today. And I trust in your ability to walk me through, not my ability to walk it out. You're faithful. You're God Almighty. I'm relying on you. I surrender to your ability to conform me into your image. And thirdly, when there's conflict, Lord, give me your eyes for this situation, for this person. Give me your eyes so that I can learn from this conflict and become more like you. It doesn't mean cowering down and avoiding conflict. That's not the answer. That's not what I'm saying. It is learning and seeing what he wants you to do in the conflict to walk out in an honorable way what Jesus would do. Jesus didn't shy away from conflict. He usually hit it head on. Let me pray for you. If one of those three and you want specific prayer, you can stand up, you can raise your hand, or you can stay seated, whatever you want to do. But I want to pray for you this morning over these areas. Father, we come before you today and we acknowledge, Lord Jesus, that you are the firstborn from the dead, that you are preeminent, that you are the fullness of God, that you are resurrected and seated at the right hand of the Father, that all things are being made uh, underneath your feet, that you have authority over all things and that you reconciled us, Lord. We were alienated, we were hostile in mind, we were doing evil deeds, but by the blood of, your, uh, of you, Lord Jesus, we have been brought into the family. So, Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, for those who have uh, wrong expectations. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give them your eyes so that they can see the right way, Lord. If it's others, that they would be able to see them as you see them. If it's themselves, that they would understand who they are in you and see themselves as you see them. If it's you, Lord, that you would heal, heal their hearts, heal the wound, remove the, uh, the issue of a wrong expectation of misunderstanding towards you and heal their heart, Lord Jesus. Comfort them, Father, as you said you do in, in Psalms 23. Father, I pray, Lord, for those that are struggling and falling, who the enemy likes to kick in the dust and point out on a constant basis our failures. Lord Jesus, I know your blood is sufficient, and I know that you are the author and the perfecter or the finisher or the maturer of our salvation. Your word also says that you're faithful even when we aren't faithful and that our salvation is not based on us, but on you. So Lord Jesus, Father, we look to you to help us in our times of need, Lord. We come boldly in the throne when we failed. We come boldly before the throne when we failed. And we look for your mercy, we receive it, and we look for your grace to help us to walk in the holiness, the blamelessness, and being above reproach. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are faithful to finish your work in our lives. And lastly, Lord, 
the conflicts that we have in our lives. Father, give us the right mind and the right heart toward those we have conflict with, Lord. Help us to see them with honor, to see them with love, to see them with mercy, to see them as you see them, Lord. And Father, use it as iron sharpens iron, Father. Sharpen us that things would fall us fall off from us that hinder us from walking how you've created us to be. We thank you, Lord, for it, Lord. We count it all joy. Lord, thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful letter to the church there in Colossae. Give us ears to hear, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. So you're welcome to stick around and and have some fellowship time, get another cup of coffee out there. Uh, But be blessed and bless one another and keep moving forward. Amen? Amen. God bless you. That was Pastor Matt Bachtold. Matt has been the lead pastor of Kairos Church since 2014. Thank you for listening. Please support our ministries as we develop Christian community in the greater Kansas City area and beyond. You can give online through our mobile app or website, www.kairos-kc.org.